Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day. For all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So today we are in our final day of our May Mariathon, the Global Mariathon. If you can help us to uh, propagate this spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the radio, particularly here in America, give us a ring at 888-408-0201. We would love to hear from you. Uh, today I wanted to share with you something from uh, a fellow exorcist. This is from uh, Father Stephen Rossetti, who is the chief exorcist in the Diocese of Washington, D.C. Can you imagine being the diocese, the exorcist in the Diocese of Washington, D.C., with all that corruption? Mm. We pray for him. Pray for Father Stephen Rossetti. That must be a very difficult uh, assignment. Anyway, recently he posted something that happened to one of his fellow exorcists that works with him. I thought it was fascinating, so I'm going to share it with you. So he said, late at night, one of our exorcists was attacked with a physical torment of the body. It felt like a kind of anxiety in which his body was being squeezed. He suspected it might have a demonic origin, especially given some of our intense cases. So he said out loud, I offer up this suffering for 20 conversions to the faith, 20 people liberated from demons, 20 conversions of witches, and for 20 priests, if it be God's will. And immediately, the physical attack ceased, completely. He thought to himself, too bad, I was hoping for these graces and conversions. I guess the demons weren't willing to make the trade. Isn't that fascinating? Fascinating. We have such a power in our sufferings to uh, bring about the kingdom of God on earth, but we often forget to use it. So whenever suffering, whatever suffering you're going through, you can use it just like this this priest did. Uh, he used it for multiple uh, things, not just one thing. Uh, you can do it too. I've often explained this about our crosses. You unite your cross to Christ and you ask him to convert, convert it to grace to rescue maybe a hundred other souls that are being tempted with the same temptation. But here's a perfect example of that. And it worked immediately. So uh, a great lesson for all of us. Today, uh, there's so much continuing in the news about all of this strange garbage that's going on in our country uh, that uh, fake group of nuns the sisters of perpetual indulgence it was just discovered that not only are they so offensive just by their very presence but they raise money oh can you imagine they're raising money it sounds like a good thing they donate all the money they raise to a Los Angeles hospital uh, for the purpose 
of funding transgender surgeries for children. Can you imagine? So they're using their money to help perpetuate the mutilation of children. You just, you, know, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah, it's for the Children's Trans Center at LA Hospital. I can't imagine that we'd even have need to have such a thing, but only in LA, I would say. Um, also, I don't know if you've heard this, but there's a youth carnival being sponsored by two Indiana, another conservative state, LGBTQ plus associations, along with the Indianapolis Airport Authority. That's an odd combination. But anyway, they're having a youth carnival. And uh, it's being promoted to the youth, and it promises games, vendors, food, fun, and unspecified entertainment. Well, you know what that's going to be. It also says parents are not welcome. So you have to drop your kid off and hope to God nothing happens to them at the youth carnival in Indiana. I'm telling you, you have to be so sly these days to to be careful to not put your kids in a position of danger. It's just unbelievable. So this brings me to my thought of the day. All these events, these crazy events of this LGBT nonsense, um, you know what they call them? Most of them, they're called pride Everyone's having a pride event in their city now. We even have one coming up here in Columbia. It's in the early uh, weeks of June. I I know that in Tel Aviv, they have a big one coming up. I'm glad I got out of there before that happened. Uh, but they're all called pride events. I find this interesting because as somebody who has studied the capital sins, pride is the mother of all the sins and pride is somewhat embedded in every sin because in every sin we are telling God that we know better than he does and we that's why we commit the sin because we think we know better whether it's intentional or subconscious we're doing it because we think we're going to get a payoff that's greater than the promises God has made to us pride so what is pride in, in reality pride's just an inordinate uh Esteem of oneself, inordinate, meaning it's not proper. It's contrary to the truth. And it's an act of uh, disposition of the will, desiring to be considered better than a person really is. And it can be expressed in many ways. Uh, taking credit for gifts, possessions, or talents as if they'd not been received from God. That goes on all the time. Uh, by minimizing one's defects or claiming qualities that are not actually possessed by holding oneself superior to others, by disdaining others because they lack what the uh, proud person has, by magnifying defects of others in order to make oneself look better than them. And pride is when it's carried to the extent that a person is unwilling to acknowledge uh, dependence on God is is when this is the most destructive uh, attribute of this sin. Because people will refuse to submit their will to God or even to lawful authority. This is a, this is a grave, grave sin. Think about, I'm just going to give some 
examples that come to mind of an over-exaggerated pride in people. So when we think of Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein thought he was above the law, that he could just keep abusing women and getting away with it. And it was like the best unkept secret in Hollywood. Everybody knew, nobody did anything. And so he, he, he was empowered by a lack of uh, courage to confront the sins that he was committing. But that stems from pride. It's from this great pride that you know better than everybody else. You're the smartest guy in the room. You're the most talented guy in the room. Now, you may be those things, but it's when you have to exercise uh, letting people know that, that that pride is rears its ugly head. And the, the gravity that arises from this sin is that a person can get to the point where they actually show contempt for God or for those who take his place, meaning the church, the priesthood, sisters. So um, think about it. This pride movement hates the church uh, in many ways, uh, hates uh, God, you know, the things they're doing, the, uh, the, all the defamation. Uh, it's, it's actually uh, almost like a poster child for the definition of what it is. The pride events seek to destroy innocence and purity. Of course, these are tra traits that are uh, God so loves and is so dear to his heart, the pure and the innocent. And this pride movement seeks to destroy all purity and innocence, particularly now in children. They're going after the children. Somebody came up to me the day and said, why, why are they targeting children? Uh, it's because children are pure and purity is next to holiness. You know, a, a little child who knows nothing of uh, this, the things of the world is still completely pure and innocent. And, and th these things they're trying to do, these drag shows and whatnot, they seek to destroy that innocence and to place ideas and images in the minds of children that should never be there. It's a disgusting and revolting uh, movement. So that's the name they've given their, their, their movement, though, the pride movement. This is very interesting. You, you know, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, hubris is the gateway through all other sin, uh, that sin that would enter into a mortal soul. And again, pride is this excessive belief in one's own abilities, and it actually interferes with the person's recognition of the grace of God. There's no recognition of God or his grace. And it really is the sin from which all of the sins arise, because pride is... Uh, in some way involved in really every other sin. So what can we do about this? What do we do about pride? I'm not talking about the pride events. I'm talking about the sin of pride that exists in, in really everybody who commits sin has some pride in themselves. Uh, so I'm going to kind of give a little to both sides of this, the pride agenda and then also the sin of pride. Now, St. Paul had a lot of words he wrote about this issue, particularly to the Romans. Um, 
let's listen to some of these words. Ever since, this is from Romans 1, 20 to 32, the creation of the world, his invisible nature, his namely his eternal power and deity has been clearly perceived in the things that, that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man or birds or animals or reptiles. Here's the key paragraph. Listen up. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural, and the men likewise gave up their natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in their own persons the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a base mind and to improper conduct. They were filled with all manner of wickedness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malignity, their gossip, slanderous, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know... Though they know God's decree that those who do such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but approve those who practice them. So in this somewhat lengthy quote, St. Paul and his words are so appropriate for describing today's culture that summarizing them would not have done justice to the point that he just did in explaining it with his uh, great mastery of the word. So that's in a nutshell. By their disobedience and arrogance and through the pride, they've been given over to these lusts. Uh, I think when we look at pride, you have to understand that the counteracting agent is humility. Humility. So every day it would be good to pray for the gift of humility. It's a grace. Remember the queen of humility? It's Our Lady. The most humble person that ever lived was Jesus Christ. This is God who became incarnate. He left his throne in heaven. Imagine a throne in heaven with nine choirs of angels adoring and worshiping him. And he left to come down to earth in the body of a little infant that would be placed in the manger, the manger of animals. And that would be his bed as a baby. That's a humility we cannot even fathom. Cannot even fathom. You know, when we try to make the most minute of humble gestures, it's nothing compared to the humility of Jesus Christ. So ask for this gift. This is the gift that combats the pride. Humility crushes pride. Uh, you plus Jesus will always equal victory. So you have to get close to Jesus 
and you have to ask him for the same gifts that he emulated and exhibited so well when he walked this planet. Think about being uh, tied up in chains and brought before the emperor and uh, Pilate uh, and being questioned. They're questioning God. And Jesus talks about truth. What does he say? What is truth? Isn't that interesting? They don't even know what truth is. There's no concept of truth. Truth actually is that which is in accord with reality. Truth is that that is in accord with reality. That's it. And truth also is a person. Truth is Jesus Christ. He said that. I'm the way, the truth, and life. But people today don't know what that is because they've been blinded, completely blinded. Remember from Paul's scripture, it says they were, uh, because of their uh, disobedient nature, that God blinded them from understanding what they needed to know. It's, it's a penalty. And the only way out is to repent to come to a point in your life where you say, I can't live like this anymore. I, I'm sorry. I need to repent. So humility is the gift. Now, there was a great uh, writer named C.S. Lewis. I would say he's one of the um, people who had the greatest impact for Christ in the 20th century. And he, he, he called pride the great sin, the great sin. And here's something he said about it. He said, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Wow. Profound. But he's really not alone in these uh, thoughts that he gives us. Not alone at all. Uh, that was from his book, Mere Christianity. And, uh, you know, I would say we can look to other great theologians, Augustine and Aquinas, both taught that pride was the root of all sin. And uh, even the great uh, Protestant reformists like Calvin and Luther, they all agreed. There was no uh, bickering or dissension about this particular fact. They all agreed that pride is the root of all sin. Now, why do they believe this? Because it's very clearly and solidly taught in the scriptures. Where can we go for this? Go right back to Genesis 3, where all the unraveling began. We see the devil, that proud spirit. And he uses pride as the avenue by which to, to seduce our first parents, Adam and Eve. Right? This is what he did. So taking the form of a serpent, he approaches them uh, in a way that was very simple and yet deadly. And what he did was he first, he arrogantly contradicts what God had said to Eve about eating the forbidden fruit. And he actually charges God with being a liar. Uh, 
if that's not the epitome of pride, that the one who was a liar from the beginning is calling God a liar. Oh, the arrogance of Satan. Uh, and this introduced Eve to um, this possibility of unbelief. It caused doubt in her mind about the truthfulness and the reliability of God. The God who'd never done anything wrong to Adam and Eve. He, oh, he did nothing but bless them and, and uh, spend his time with them. And yet now she's doubting. This is the effect of the enemy, to doubt, to cause anxiety and um, dis despair within the person. So in the very next breath, what does the devil do? He draws her into deeper deception by contending that God's reason for lying was to keep her from enjoying all the possibilities inherent in being like God. Isn't that interesting? So he now draws her into envy. She's desiring to be like God. She, she's not content being Eve. She wants to be God. And this clever little ploy, it's really aimed at undermining her confidence in the goodness of God, in the love of God, and it arouses this desire in her to be God. Think about the things that we're looking at in today's world, where we're going to define when we can kill a baby. Oh, that would be being like God. Picking your own gender, that would be being like God, being God. Only God chooses gender. Only God decides when life is over. And yet we're doing the very same things. Genesis 3 is just being repeated over and over and over. What does it say about the fruit, the forbidden fruit? It, it was pleasing to the eye. It was pleasing to the eye. And so the devil presents all these things, these forbidden fruits, and makes them pleasing to the eye and says, you know, if you just had this one thing, this would make you happy. This is the one thing that's going to make you happy and complete. He's a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. Don't buy the lie. Throw it out. Uh, so, because we're running out of time, we can go back to this tomorrow. It's a good topic to, to be familiar with about these... Um, deceptions the enemy throws at us. Remember I said yesterday, you have to know the tactics of your of your enemy when you're in battle or you're destined to lose the fight. You've got to know the tactics. So the remedy here is humility. This is the queen of virtue. Uh, ask uh, Jesus and Mary to bestow humility in your heart that you would always acknowledge all things good come from God. That's it for today. Please give a ring at 888-408-0201 and help us to continue to bring the message of Jesus Christ to the United States of America, to bring the hope of God, that great theological virtue of hope, back to the hearts of men and women who desperately need it. And pray for those people who are sitting in despair today. There's so many of them out there. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan, signing off.